How are you doing this morning? You good? Brian, Brian's well. Is anybody as good as Brian today? All right. All right. All right. A few more crazies in the room. That's awesome. We're so glad you're here. What, what's your story? I love, you know, sitting at a coffee shop, listening to people. I always learn from you. What, what's your story? And then to dial into that a little bit more, what's your God story? So I don't know that I have a God story. Well, you're writing it. There are sentences and paragraphs and chapters. And so what, what's your God story? Have you been, been a part of God for your whole life? Is it relatively new? Are you, are you here today and you're going, I don't know that I have a story, but I'm coming today to see if I can figure out what my God story is or if I'm even in the story. What's your church story? You know, that's different than your God story. A church story and a God story are different. Now, hopefully church helps your God story, but not always and not necessarily. There are unhealthy churches and there are unhealthy people in churches, and so not all the time does your church story help your God story. I remember I was eight or nine years old with my grandparents in a church service in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I can remember being so bored. And I thought, this is so irrelevant. There's nothing at church. There will be nothing for me at church for my entire life. I'm eight years old thinking of the irrelevancy of church. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? He does. does. What's your church story? Well, I want to share a little bit about the story of church today, and primarily um, Harborside. And what's really interesting is there were a group of people in 1984 who started this church in a funeral chapel. And what the, what the pastor, Dan Stucher, did was he counted every single body, some dead, some alive. And there were a total of 64 people who were in that funeral uh, chapel that started that. Now, there was a church in Largo Christian Church that thought there ought to be a church in the North County. And that's really how Harborside got started uh, back in 1984. It was a a funeral chapel. And then it goes to a horse barn. We spent a couple years at Palm Harbor Harbor Middle School. But then then the church, basically where now Bayside Church is, there was a horse barn. And so the horse barn goes from looking like that to they made it into a chapel. Look at that. Again, this is back in, in the early 80s. And so then... Uh, the church keeps going forward, and now, uh, if you notice, that sign says Harborside, but it used today it says Bayside, and so Bayside Christian Bayside Church bought Harborside Church, but uh, this was where we started, and so Harborside built that. Then Harborside spent the next six years uh, at Countryside High School. How many of you were in the high school? How many of you were part of that? Chairs taking chairs down, taking. Anybody in the room that was at the um, the barn? How many? Any of you in the barn? You were at the barn? Oh my goodness! You're old. Okay. All right. Any anybody at the funeral chapel in the room this morning? Anybody at the funeral chapel? Uh, John Hoke back there. John's 110 years old. He is. Uh, in third service, I know Larry and Pat Thompson uh, will be here, and they're actually a part of all that. The Hunts. Uh, George and, is it George and, and Jane? George and Jane? So it, it's, it's an interesting story how this took place. So we're, we're going to go from that 
to now we have 40 acres here. And um, instead of building a worship center four years ago, we decided to build a wedding chapel. And I want you to know that was a God decision. It was a blessed decision. The decision has been phenomenal. We have had five weddings this weekend. We had five weddings last weekend. We had six weddings the weekend before. And for already for 2020, I can't believe people do this, there's 90 booked weddings already for next year, and it's not even the busy season. And of course, the whole vision of the wedding chapel was that it would be a carrot to attract people so that we could do the equipping, because everybody who gets married is in love. It's never a love issue. It's a skill issue. And so our goal as a church is to get the unchurched people to come in, we share the gospel, and we teach them skills and skills and skills. I saw about this much of this vision. God's doing this much. The the marriage mentors are the heroes of this entire ministry, and it is working profoundly, profusely. It's awesome. So that's our 40 acres. Um, in, in 2004, we actually moved into this. This is actually when I came, right when the building was right at done, which is great. But here's what we're getting ready to do. We're getting ready to launch a very large worship center. As you drive down Marshall Street, that's what you'll see. You see the cross there. It's a water feature. It's just absolutely gorgeous. I'm just going to show you some pictures. Uh, we've got some more pics here. Again, this is kind of the front when you drive in. Lots of glass. Lots of natural light. Um, Here's outside. You'll see another water feature to your left. This is to the right. The wedding chapel in this this photo would be to your left. And um, it is really gorgeous. The Beck team has done a great job with putting this together. I want you to be excited because it's really exciting to see what what God is doing. And um, here's here's the inside. Again, see lots of light. There's a little cafe there to the right. Uh, and you'll see this last picture I'm going to show you. Everybody's rushing to get to church because they're late, just like some of you are. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to show you some pictures and let you know uh, we are now starting to raise the resources for this. So I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about this openly and honestly, but I want to start with the value that God places on buildings, which is really interesting. Because it's not the buildings, it's the worship that takes place within those buildings. And the very first building project that we observe is kind of a portable church. It's kind of like a church on the go. It's, it's a tabernacle. And I want you to see in Exodus chapter 25 just some of the materials that were used in this building. So here we go. This is Exodus 25. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering from me from everyone whose hearts prompts them to give. Now, you've got to understand when it says prompts them to give, this is what they call a volunteer offerings. There's three different types of offerings in the Bible. There's tithes, which are not voluntary. There's tithes. Then there's what's called voluntary or free will offerings. And then there's what's called first fruits. And so in the Old Testament and New Testament, there were three different types He's saying, this is voluntary. This is just voluntary. This this isn't your tithe. This is something that if you want to do this, tell them whose hearts prompts them to give. These are the offerings you are to receive from them. Look what they did. This is called the tabernacle just now in the book of Exodus. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair. I'm not so sure about the goat hair, are you? But anyway, goat hair, 
uh, ram skin dyed red, another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the epod and the breastplate. And so what happens then, have them make me a sanctuary and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. I just wanted you to see this. This is the first one. This is a portable tabernacle. It's a place where God is to be worshipped. Now let's just stop for a second. The whole goal of your life with God is worship. God wants you to become a worshiper. Yes, he wants you to pray. Yes, he wants you to learn the scriptures. Yes, he wants you to sing. Yes, 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 yes. But all of those fit under the umbrella of worship. God's goal, God's desire, God's design for you is for you to learn to worship him, to give him his worship. So this is just the portable tabernacle. Now I'm going to move to the permanent temple. Did you follow me? Portable. Now we're going to the permanent, permanent temple. And here's what David says. Um, well, I want you to see, first of all, where do they get the money? They're slaves. They've been slaves for 400 years. How in the world did they have gold, silver, onyx, goat hair? Where did they get this from? Well, before they left Egypt, after the 10th plague, the Bible talks about they plundered the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were thrilled to get them out of the land. So here's that couple, three verses. The Egyptians, this is after the 10th plague where the firstborn was dead. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country, for otherwise they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added, and they carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did, and Moses instructed, and asked the Israelites for articles of silver, gold, and clothing. That's, that's bold. We're slaves. We've been slaves for 400 years, but we want your gold, we want your silver, and we want your articles of clothing. Do you find that interesting? They're plundering the Egyptians, the slaves, and they got it. I wonder if I could do that. Anyway, let's try that. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward that people, and they gave them what they asked, so that they plundered the Egyptians. What a story. And so now fast forward a few hundred years, and here's David getting ready to build the temple of the Lord. David says, I've taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord. So what, what did David do? Well, David himself was going to show you what he was willing to do for this incredible project. So what are the lessons that we learned from this? Again, you can go to your app. If you're new with us this morning, you can download. We have a Harborside app. You can just follow right along. Scriptures, lessons are there. So what, what's the first lesson? Well, the first lesson that we're going to get ready to read about is, is there's always value attached to a project. Now, when I was a younger pastor, I really didn't understand the value of facilities. I got a Greek and Hebrew degree. I got two Bible degrees. I mean, wh wh I don't understand facilities. I don't understand how all this stuff works together. And I began to realize then that, that God, like, makes places holy. God sets places apart. God has touched this room for such a time as this, and he's attached value to this. And so look, look at what he says. David says, the task is great because the palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. As we get ready to build a new worship center, I would like for you to think about that it's really not even for you. 
Some of it will be for us. But I would like for you to think about, you have a seat. All three services are full. Last Christmas Eve, we turned away 400 people during one service. Last Easter, we turned away 600 people. This next service, not everybody can get in the room. Everybody won't get a seat. In the next service, there'll be 100 to 150 people in white chairs out there in the lobby. So I'd like for you to think about the value of worship and the value of a place. And so what, what we're trying to really do is we're trying to make him famous. And when you're a healthy church... And you exalt Jesus Christ. And he says, when, if I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto myself. And when you're healthy and you lift up Christ, people come. People are hurting. People are lonely. People, people want answers. People want health. People want to see that there's hope. People want breakthroughs. You've probably got your breakthroughs. You've probably got some of your health. You've probably worked through a lot of your issues. But you have friends and family and neighbors out there who have not. And you see how we roll. We roll a little different than most churches. Our goal is not to have like one big dog on stage. Our goal is to have multiple teaching pastors. And we're raising up these boys that are coming behind us. And our goal is to equip, 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 equip. We don't have just one worship leader. You don't know from week to week who's going to be leading worship because we don't have one. We've got a whole bunch of people who lead worship. And, and the goal for that is to equip, equip. And sometimes this team gets to go out and lead, lead worship for other churches who don't have the funds or the resources to provide worship teams. And there's value. There's value to what we're doing and there's value to who we are. And so he says this, this structure is great. But it's not for man, it's, it's for the Lord. So what's some of the value? Well, look at what David did. This is astonishing what David did. And it's always interesting to me. I, I, I don't know how grand this should be. I don't know what the value should be. But I do know that over the last couple of 40, 30 years, we've really dumbed God down. And we've really tarnished what we've been building for God. I'm not, this isn't about anybody else. This is about what God wants us to do. Even as elders, we had this discussion recently in an elders meeting. And we said, you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It matters what God wants us to do. I want you to see the quality that God built. Just notice the quality. With all my resources, David said, I've provided for the temple of my God gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides in my devotion to the temple of the God, I now give my personal treasuries of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I've provided for this holy temple. That's amazing. 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlays of the walls of the buildings. For the gold work and for the silver work and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now look at what David did. I just want you to see the value of David's gifts. David gave 220,000 pounds of gold. David himself gave 520,000 pounds of silver. There's a couple other chapters. Chapter 22 talks about all the bronze and all of the silver. It's estimated 
that David himself gave $54 billion to this project. How much did this temple cost? It's estimated that the total project of this temple was $100 billion. Now, it took about 46 years to build, too. We haven't got that much time. But I think about this from slaves, from a group of people who had been enslaved for 400 years. This was the quality of the project that God had. And so it's a free will offering. It's not something anybody has to do. Here's what he says. He says, it's soul-searching time. Here's what David said. David says, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? And all we're asking you to do is say, Lord, what do you want me to do for this? I don't know the size of our project yet. We're getting close. I don't know if it's going to be $30 million. I don't know if it's going to be $35 million. We don't know yet. Maybe $29. We, we don't know. But it's going to be a large project. And I'm just waiting for somebody to tell me that this project costs too much. And I'm going to turn them back to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. This project was $100 billion. Now also, the analogy breaks down because David gave half of it and I can't give half of it. Okay? <laughs> uh, but we're going to be very involved in this. But he says, who's willing to consecrate themselves? And in other words, who's willing to kind of think this through and who's willing to be a part of this? It's teamwork. It, it's an all-skate. For us to do this and raise all of the resources, this is everybody. This is everybody in the room. This is everybody who's a part of Harborside. Look at the teamwork that took place here. Then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work, they, they, just, they just gave willingly. We're not asking you to do anything you can't do. We're not asking you to do anything you shouldn't do. We're asking you to invest in the future. We're asking you to invest in the unchurched. We're asking you to invest in the lost. We're asking you to invest in something that when most of us are dead and gone, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, our great-great-great-grandchildren will continue to sing and worship and get baptized and come to Christ and surrender their life to you. That, we're asking you to invest. Somebody asked me, I said, were you asking me to give? I said, no, I'm not asking you to give anything. I'm asking you to invest everything. This is an investment. It's an investment for the future. It's an investment for the kingdom of God. But look at the teamwork. Your elders are all for this. Your elders have done two 21-day fasts to make sure that we're in the center of God's will. Your staff is for this. All of us have been kind of worked through this. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 decas, the darkest of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. That's a, that's a lot of money, right? That's a lot. Anyone who had previously, previous stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiliot, the Gershonite. He was the CPA, I guess, in part, charge of the project. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced. I love that. They're just having a good time. They're just having a ball. Remember I told you the story about my dad and 
I told you the story about the nurse, and I didn't know where that was going, and he, um, they said he's in the last stages of pancreatic cancer, and the hospice nurse came in, and, and, she, and my mom asked the question, you know, what are you going to do um, when he can't take a shower? And the hospice nurse said, well, we'll have somebody come with you. And remember I told you, Dad said, well, is it a man or a woman? Remember that story? And the lady said, it'll be a woman. And Dad said, well, is she pretty? And, and uh, the hospice nurse said, yeah. And Dad said, well, can we start tomorrow? And I just, I sat there and I thought, this is hilarious. This is so funny to hear his humor at that time of his life. And I said to you, let's enjoy this. Let, let's, let's laugh Let's have some humor. Let's enjoy this process because the building, the new worship center is not the destination. It's just part of our story. It's part of our story. And we're inviting you. Maybe this is your first Sunday and you're going, oh, my gosh, what have I got myself into? Well, you're welcome to come join the story. And we're inviting you to come and just be a part of what, what this great church is doing. But the journey is what's far more important. We're going to continue to help our children fall head over heels in love with Jesus. We're going to continue to help our middle schoolers and our high schoolers make sense out of life. I wish you could see Marriage Monday and all the different marriage mentors and all the different things that are going on with marriage. We're going to continue to build marriages and help marriages. We're going to continue to worship. Our, our job as, as believers is to just worship him and just praise him and give him glory. Give him honor. I invite all of you to come back tonight, whether you can sing or not. If you can't sing, sit in the back. If you can sing, come up front. But I invite all of you to come back tonight. That's our goal. Scott, you stay in the back tonight, all right? I know, I know you can't sing because you're my friend and you can't sing worth a lick. So, so I got, we're going to put you back in that room back there. So the point is we've come to worship, and we're not going to lose our focus we're not taking money out of outreach to pay for the. We're not doing any of that. We got things to do. We're just asking for your help. We we need your help. We want you to be a part of this. And then there was just this incredible heartfelt gratitude to be a part of what God was doing. So we invite you to that. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, "Praise be to you, Lord, the God of the Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting." You just see people that love to give, they're happy. You ever notice how some people always have the faucet on? You ever notice that? You ever notice that the people who always have the faucet on are always free and they're always happy and they're always ready to do something. They're always, they're always ready to make a difference. They always, they always have the faucet on. That's kind of an interesting word picture, isn't it? Well, there's recognition then of the supernatural. I just want you to hear what David had to say because David was so pumped about what God was doing. So again, they'd been in a portable tabernacle. Now they're getting ready to build a permanent temple. It's a massive project. It would take lots of resources, lots of time, lots of craftsmen, lots of skill. And this would be the ginormous temple that was right there in the center of Jerusalem. And for years and years and years, this is where the, the Israelites would come and they would, they would worship. But David recognized that it was a God thing. Um, I had a couple of our staff members come to me and they said, um, tell us how, how in you are on this worship center project. I said, what, what do you mean? Well, how, how, are you half in? Are you two, th are you all, where, where are you? And I said, well, tell me why you're asking. This is an interesting question. I didn't have a clue where they were coming from. 
And they said, well, at 58 years old, all you got to do is ride this thing out for a few years and you can retire well and just, you know, drive right off in the sunset. I said, I can't do that. There's too many people out here who don't know Christ. There's too many people out here who don't understand they can be forgiven. There's too many people that walk in shame all around you, all around your family, all around your friends. This isn't about you and me. This isn't about us. We, we may be dead and gone. It, it isn't about us. It's about what God wants to do through you and through us and in this community. And we have a little bit of time and a little bit of resources, a little bit of opportunity. And so my response to that staff person was, I am all in. But it's not the destination. In the meantime, we're going to continue to minister and help people fall head over heels in love with Jesus. It's not the destination. It's the journey. And so we invite you into the, I don't know what your God story is. And I don't know what your church story is. And I'm sorry if you've not had great church stories, but this is a healthy church and we're on the move and God's on the move and we're going someplace. And we invite you to come and be a part of this. God is doing some great things. I get to see what God's doing in the children and the youth and the students and the middle schoolers, the high schoolers and and the young adults. And I get to see what happens all around the world. I'm so excited about about raising up these pastors. I'm so excited about where we're going. I'm so excited about this younger generation. I happen to be one that thinks that the future is incredibly bright. Next Sunday night, we're going to ordain Andrew. He's 23 23 or 24. He's 23 years old. He's not ready yet to be a teaching pastor, but the next two years, he's we're going to get him there. You're going to hear a 23, he'll be 25. You're going to hear a great young man preach the gospel. I'm so excited about what we're doing. Will you join us? Will you be a part of this? We need your hand. We need your heart. We need, we need you to help us. So look at what David did. He says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. David recognized that all of his gold and all of his silver came because God positioned him to have it. I preach every week to smart people. I preach every week to very skilled, talented people. But you got to recognize that all of your skill and all of your talent came from your father. Your father set you up for success. Now, you work hard every day. And you've made good investments and you've made good, but your father gave you talent and skill and gift. Everything you have, everything I have, it is a gift from my heavenly father. My heavenly father has rained down these blessings. David recognized that. There was a recognition of the supernatural on David's life. Do you recognize the favor of God? Is that favor a part of your story? Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the majesty, the glory, the splendor. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things, and your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. He recognized it. He saw it. Now, our God, we give you thanks, and we praise your glorious name. So I I just... 
I'm just going to stop there. There's more verses on your screen and there's more verses in your, you can read them on your app. But this is a campaign called Make Him Famous. So here's what I want to leave you with this morning. I want to leave you with this question. Lord, in light of this giving opportunity, what would you have us do? Lord, in light of this giving opportunity, what would you have me do? Lord, in light of this, I want to ask you now to do some soul searching. The campaign is open. You can go on the website. It's called Make Him Famous or Future Facilities, whichever. You can write a check, designate it, or go online and do all that stuff. But, but the point is this. Lord, in light of this, in light of this, what would you have me do? So will you stand with me? And let's ask this prayer. Let's ask this. Lord, there's so many people that need Christ. There's so many children that we can help. There's so many people that we can make a difference. In light of this incredible opportunity, what would you have us do? And so we come to you and we say we love you and we praise you. I love David's recognition. I love how David gave you glory and gave, gave, David gave you honor. And he recognized how great you are. We recognize you. We worship you this morning. And so, Father, don't let us get distracted or confused. We need more facilities. Help us to raise all the resources. Help us to start now. Help us to do a really good job with this. But in the meantime, let us worship you and honor you and praise you and serve you and do everything we can to be your people. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, God bless you.